What's up, my people? Welcome to Fellowship Bible Church's Sermon Spotlight, where we're coming at you each and every week with a fresh weekend to debrief an effort to send biblical truth. What better way to do that than by the power of conversation? I'm one of your hosts, Caleb Pearson. Joining me in the host spotlight for the first time ever on planet Earth, uh, Emma Culler. Emma, how are you? I'm doing good. How good. are you? This is your first time on this podcast, uh, but not in this booth. Correct. So we'll probably explain that a little bit later. Here, let me move that closer to your mouth there. You, Your title is Associate Director of Student Ministries. Yes. So you work with me. Mm -hmm. I'll spare the question of how you really think about your job <laughs> since you can't be honest in front of me, but it's perfect in every way and you have Absolutely. an awesome boss. Yeah, 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 yeah blah, blah, blah. Uh, he's back with us. Uh, the man, the myth, some call him. I call him Mark Harry. Mark, how are you doing? I'm, I'm doing very well. Good. Yep. Yeah, you're back in the pulpit, my man. I am. What, what's it like for you to, Tim did it so much, you, you you mentioned that very briefly, were you in the wind, did you get to travel, do you and Lisa just kick back and watch Tim preach and critique him and text him things and bully him, what's that like for you? Yeah, we live a very boring life. <laughs> we stayed home, we watched Tim. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's almost like the, the content I, matters to you whether or not you're preaching. Yeah, right. <laughs> no, I mean, that's... Great recovery time. Yeah, so for sure. It's a good time. Yeah, I'm but. glad I didn't jump in in January. Yeah. The first Sunday in January, and um, and I was spent. Mm. Mm. So yeah. it was good to hold off. Yeah. Say hey to everybody. I'm back post-surgery. Yeah. Yep. See you in a month. Yep. Yeah, it's good. Well, guys, let's jump into a Sunday in review. Uh, we're starting this new series in Daniel, so we got kind of, you know, this introductory stuff. Mark is deciding to focus on the glory of God. Emma, I'll come your way first with this past weekend in mind. What what stood out to you? Anything that, that uh, was impactful for you this past weekend? And then, Mark, I'll come your way, too. Yeah. Yeah, so it was super um, exciting to start, Daniel. Um this weekend, I I was expecting like, oh, we're going to get like the history, the info. And then you're like, no, we're going to talk about the glory of God. And it was just, it was a surprise, but it was so good. Um, and I just especially loved how you brought Isaiah 6 into the conversation because that is the, if I have to pick like a quintessential sermon, I remember when you preached on Isaiah 6, hmm. that's what I remember. Like in the year King Uzziah died, um, I saw the Lord and just having that and being reminded of the glory that we see in that passage as we went through um, scripture was just super impactful for me this weekend. Good. Hmm. Yeah, so what is it, Mark, about the, the when you're starting a sermon series, this is classic FBC fashion, right? We start it, and then we kind of don't start it, and, and <laughs> yeah. we do the intro, we we lay the framework so that as we go through it, there, there's something that, that we already hung our hats on, we're going to see him at work, you know, the worship team yeah. gets this this ancient of days kind of message across. Why spend a week on the glory of God to unpack yeah. Daniel? Um, well, for, for one thing, uh, the book of Daniel itself is so God-focused, and there, it's just such on the glory of God. I mean, even mm -hmm. though the word is not necessarily used. Um, actually, the word is used a lot on the glory of man. Nebuchadnezzar's glory. Sure. And it's used that uh, in, in those contexts, right. Um, but that's the overarching theme uh, of any book in the Bible. You know, the old Westminster catechism says the chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And um, it's what we've been created for. And Daniel just had such a picture of the glory of God in such dark times and it impacted his life. And then he reveals it to us in these visions. 
And there's this sense of grandeur and the awesomeness of God. I saw the Lord, like Isaiah said, and Daniel saw him, the Ancient of Days, and one like the Son of Man that comes up. And just in my study of the book of Daniel, it was just a, a key theme that kept running over it. I thought, well, I'm going to give an introduction to an introduction. Yeah. And that just seemed to, to really fit. And it was hmm. important enough for, for me to spend a, a sermon doing that. Next week, we'll, we'll do more of the, of the introduction, and, which is tough because there's a lot of, there's, a, there, there's so much, it's like you almost got to start with Genesis 1-1, in the beginning, <laughs> you know, you're, right. to come up to Daniel to understand its broad context. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the day was, you didn't necessarily have to do that because people were so more in tune with biblical knowledge and biblical history. Mm. Uh, it, it's not the case mm-hmm. as much today. And uh, it, it's almost like you need a, a few weeks to set a context. Right. I mean, I'll give it one next week. We'll hit a historical context <clears throat> and, and then move forward. But mm-hmm. the theme of the glory of God is, is just always a big theme. And yeah. um, I thought it would fit with the beginning of Daniel. Yeah, it's a good book. It's a hard book. Different elements of Daniel speak to tremendously different things, and you have to unpack it together. And I, I think there's a practical benefit of going through Daniel at this point, too. I, I don't know if you would even agree with this, Emma, but there seems to be a fascination with eschatology mm-hmm. of late or prophecy and intrigue. I, I've heard from a lot of FBCers that they're, you know, we finish Acts, what's next, and why might the Lord be kind of pinging our hearts to say, go through something like that. Mm-hmm. Daniel's going to speak towards some of that stuff, and so I think it'll scratch that itch a little bit of like, okay, there's yeah. some text that, that speaks to that, uh, that we can try to handle together and understand together, but it's all ultimately about the glory of God, yeah, uh, right. and, and not finally like, oh, sweet, I mastered, you know, Daniel 8 and 9 or yeah. whatever, but it's... Yeah. Yeah, I think it'll be cool to cool to go. Yeah, there. I, you know, I th- I think prophecy is always intrigued. I can remember as a kid, um, my dad loved biblical prophecy. He would study. He studied Daniel and Revelation. Mm-hmm. He uh, he he really enjoyed the intricacies of biblical prophecy. Um, and um, but you know, as the years go on, it just if that was true fifty years ago, sixty years ago. It's more true today <laughs> because we're 50, 60 years closer right. yeah. to the Lord's return and of the world. I, I read in, uh, I was going through some old books and I, I found this book I have. Um, it was actually uh, a, 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 an uncle of mine who went to Bible college but years ago, but it was published in 1936. And it's a book about the, kind of an overview of the Old Testament, of every book of the Bible. And so I went to Daniel to see what he wrote about Daniel. And this guy who, the guy actually, come to think, he died in 1936. So this book was published Mm. something in the early 1930s. So 1800 guy was born, he died in 1936. I'm reading this book on Daniel. And he was, had it pretty well down. And he said, you know, but there was a paragraph in there that says, in order for these things to happen, um, Israel would have to be a nation, mm-hmm. and they'd have to be in control of Jerusalem. And of course, mm-hmm. that hasn't happened. But one day, it would have to happen if these were, well... 12 years later. 12 years later, they become a nation. That man never lived to see it. Right. So we, th- there is, there's a, a great amount of interest, I think, in biblical prophecy. And it's a challenge because there's, 
good godly scholars out there who aren't going to aren't going to take the perspective I'm going to take on the book of uh, Daniel mm-hmm. and uh, won't interpret it <laughs> at all. <laughs> right. And and there will be people at FBC who grew up in those other traditions that probably won't agree with how mm-hmm. we're going to handle it. But uh, you know, we're going to try to be true and accurate to the text and let it unfold and apply a literal hermeneutic uh, mm-hmm. to it mm-hmm. and uh, try to be consistent with that. And um, um, we'll, we'll go from there. I think it'll be exciting. Yeah. But we can't lose sight of the overarching theme of the glory of God. Sure. Emma, you and I are kind of the, the layman's here on some of this. W- what do you think and perceive is the average understanding of the book of Daniel, especially people our age? Like, re- Not only is there intrigue about the prophecy of it all, but mm-hmm. I think it's an intimidating book. Yeah, I think that too. But I also think a lot of us, especially those of us who grew up in church, think of it, oh, those are the Bible stories, Daniel and the lion's den, um, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So they know these like stories. But I wonder sometimes if people think it's just those lap, happy little stories and they forget about the second part of Daniel, like the prophecy. Mm, sure. And all that's coming. So it's like, is your understanding of these accounts still at the level of the felt book with the Sunday school teacher right. and, the, and the brief summary? Because it, it, those are great. It's all true. God is great and able yeah. to deliver. But there's and, and I'm studying it as I prepare to preach this spring. It's just like there's so much there yeah. uh, that you really want to do it justice. And and one thing that Abby shared on this podcast before is the two of you would meet all throughout the book of Acts mm-hmm. and study it together in anticipation. Do you see yourself doing that with Daniel? Or is it daunting in a way? And maybe that's too it's too early to ask you that question. But yeah. What, yeah. what are your personal ambitions as you study the book of Daniel? as well as participating in the weekend. Yeah. So my personal um, ambitions, I guess you could say, is just how can I know God more through studying the book of Daniel? How can I mm. see him working? Um, and I know that there's been like former BTC classes taught here about Daniel. And so my hope is to also mm-hmm. dive into those, study, and then come to church. Okay, what are they going to say Sunday morning about what I've already been studying and see mm. how that lines up? Yeah, mm-hmm. it's good. Yeah. Mark, question for you then, this past weekend, specifically the glory of God, not not exegeting Daniel yet, you know, what what's on the cutting room floor, what's left out, did you finish the weekend going like, man, again, the classic, 35 minutes on the yeah. glory of God, good luck, yeah, right. <laughs> good luck, right? Yeah, yeah the, the one thing that, um, a, a theme that I, I could have traced, it didn't fit, but... Um, this this idea of the glory of God um, and God's people. And in Exodus, there's a passage in um, in Exodus 24 when the, the um, on the mountain and Moses gets the um, the law and I think it's Exodus 24 verse 15 says Moses went up to the mountain, the clouds covered the mountain, the glory of the Lord rested on Mount Sinai, mm. and and down below, the people, verse 17 says, the eyes of the sons of Israel, uh, they saw the appearance of the glory of the Lord. And it was like a consuming fire on the mountaintop. They got a little bit of that. Mm-hmm. And like, what is going on here? And then in Exodus chapter 40, uh, that the glory of God came down into that tent of meeting. They had the tabernacle. Mm-hmm. And verse 34 says, then the cloud covered the tent of meeting and the glory of the Lord filled the tabernacle. And Moses was not able to enter the tent of meeting because the cloud had settled on it. The glory of the Lord had filled the tabernacle. And so so Moses, as he writes this, is explaining how that was the entrance of the glory of God. And it resided 
above the, the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. That was viewed as the throne of God, God the King of Kings. And he rests on his throne, the Ark of the Covenant and the mercy seat. And there was this Shekinah brilliance that only the high priest could go in, you know, remember once a year. Mm -hmm. So that apparently was perpetual. There was always that glory of God there. Um, when Solomon dedicated the temple, he, so the tabernacle is done away with, the new temple, and, and now that was dedicated, and I read that passage in Second Chronicles where the glory of God now came down into the temple, to that new habitation, mm -hmm. that new place, and the Ark of the Covenant was put in there. And um, uh, so again, the glory of God rested with the people of Israel. But then you go to Ezekiel, and it's, it's Ezekiel um, 10, I think it is. Um, and, and that's another whole God's glory wonderful departing. story. Yeah, Ezekiel chapter 10. Um, so you get this picture of um, Ezekiel looking, and behold, in the expanse there was overhead the, the heads of the cherubim, something like sapphire stone, the appearance resembling a throne and appeared above it, and he spoke to the Son of Man. And there was this, this picture, and verse 4 says, Then the glory of the Lord went up from the cherub to the entryway, the threshold of the temple. The temple was filled with a cloud, and the court was filled with the brightness of the glory of God. And uh, verse 6 says, Then it came about, uh, uh, he commanded the man uh, take fire between the whirling wheels, you know, the wheel, the Ezekiel's vision. But 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 the picture continues, and this glory of God, um, verse 18, then the glory of the Lord departed from the threshold of the temple and stood over the cherubim. And then it continues in, in Ezekiel, and then he, the glory of God departed more, and then the glory of the Lord departed more. And you get to chapter 11, verse 22, um, then the cherubim lifted up their wings with the wheels beside them, and the glory of the Lord of, of the God of Israel hovered over them. And the glory of the Lord went up from the midst of the city, stood over the mountain east of the city. And the Spirit lifted me up and brought me to a vision of the Spirit of God to the exiles in Chaldea. Um, and it was just, again, the point is the departure of the glory of God because the people had gone into such sin, hmm. which is really, and I'm going to bring this out next week, I think, it's a setting for Daniel because Ezekiel and Daniel are contemporaries. So what Ezekiel is experiencing, the departure of the glory of God, it's it's over. I mean, God's blessing, his glory, his presence is leaving. And within a few short years, Nebuchadnezzar comes, he sacks Jerusalem, takes mm. the people off to captivity, and it's that's it. There, there no longer is a nation of Israel from that day on. The nation is over. And of course, then the question is, so when will that glory reappear? And John chapter one, mm -hmm. that Jesus came and he dwelt among us. He tabernacled among us. And we, be, John writes, we beheld his glory. So the glory returned in the presence of Christ. And then that presence of Christ, as we said in the book of Acts, we are the body of Christ, so we are now the temple of the Holy Spirit. So the glory of the Lord now rests with us. That's what we talked about that in the sermon in 2 Corinthians. So 
we are being transformed into that image of Christ from glory to glory as mm-hmm. we behold him. So as we grow in the grace of knowledge, that glory, God's plan is for the glory to, to really shine, 2 Corinthians uh, chapter 4, um, into the darkness of our world to this world. And then one day the full glory will return when Christ returns. And uh, the, um, so there, there's we come full circle with that. Um, but that sad picture of the time and the setting of Daniel was when and, and when the glory of God was departing. And for those who knew that, like the Jeremiah's and maybe the, the, the Ezekiel's and, and when it, it might have happened after Daniel was taken off into captivity, I don't know the timing of that. But for those who were cued in and they saw that, if they, if they were able to visualize that, it, it, was, it must have been a, mm-hmm. a, a horrendous moment mm-hmm. in the history of Israel and in those personal lives. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but we're living after that, and we now have the glory of God. Mm-hmm. The question for believers today is, do we know it? Do we live in light of it? Mm-hmm. Um, are we expressing it? Um, yeah. Do we really know we have a treasure in this clay pot, in this... Well, I'm glad you brought up this this idea of the tabernacle and the temple and, and those Old Testament pictures we have of those two things. And then I think sometimes we often forget there is, there is a New Testament version of those things and, and we're the temple now. And, and I don't, if you remember this, Emma, when we did the ecclesiology class with him and, and he brought in Lucan's and Lucan's talked about worship throughout the whole Bible. And really both of you just raised our awareness of... God's working through tabernacle and temple, but that's us now. So there's this huge view of God, a small view of self, and the reality that God hasn't changed his mind. And and you can't just read these kinds of stories and think, man, that's so neat. Uh, Why did he stop doing that? Or or why did God stop doing that? Or why did he do it that way and he's not doing it that way anymore? Well, he is doing it, but it's it's through us this time. Uh, that that stood out to me. We did that class what a little over two years ago, probably at this point. But yeah, the the First Peter. When you mentioned that First Peter, chapter two talks about that uh, we uh, are coming to him like living stones. We are being mm-hmm. built into that same temple. Um, and uh, then he goes on in verse um, uh, ten. 9 and 10, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession. Why? So that you will proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You once were not a people, now you are the people of God. We are to proclaim the glory, the excellencies Mm -hmm. of him. And we're being built into this glorious temple as a corporate body of Christ. um, And to radiate and reflect that glory. So it's it's what we've been created for. It's why God created. I, that was another thing I could have gone into is Acts 19. All of creation mm-hmm. is declaring it, mm-hmm. the glory of God. Day and night, it pours forth speech. Um, so it's yeah. everything God created was meant to reflect that, mm-hmm. that glory. Uh, Romans um, chapter 1, the wrath of God is revealed against all ungodliness and unrighteous mm-hmm. men who suppress the truth. What truth? of the glory of God. Mm-hmm. And even though it says they knew the invisible characteristics, the attributes, his divine nature, um, they didn't acknowledge it. They didn't They didn't worship him as such. They suppressed that glory. And again, we're on this earth to express it, not mm-hmm. suppress it. Mm-hmm. 
but sadly, sometimes it's in tall our order, life, I guess. we yeah. suppress it by how we act. Emma, what do you think the value is of, of a congregation coming together with a mentality like that Peter passage? We are, we are rocks coming together mm-hmm. to, to, be, to be that tabernacle. I, don't, I think that's probably lost on a lot of us. Mm-hmm. probably very easy to attend a church or to sit through a sermon series or when we get to Daniel 7 or whatever it's going to be of like, ah, that's way too annoying, complicated, hard, discouraging, whatever. I'm just here for the worship. I'm here to get in, get out, Mm -hmm. versus that mentality of I am a rock of a much bigger Mm -hmm. structure. I mean, thoughts on that? I mean, it takes out that self-focus. It's all about Mm -hmm. us as community and how God is building us together. And it takes us out of this idea of we are our own little island doing what we can in our own little influence. But no, he's called us together and he's building us together. Mm -hmm. So it has that real community focus. Yeah. That's good. So with, again, you're coming across Ezekiel Chronicles, and then you have one sermon. Uh, so you, you know, decide to not do it. You're going to unpack it again. Now introduce Daniel and then lay the foundation of... Yeah, and I did that a little bit uh, at the end because I wanted to show how Daniel, Daniel's focus is on the glory of God, even though he doesn't use a word. Mm-hmm. So in studying through Daniel... Um, and it's ongoing study. There, there is a, there's a symmetry and there's a, there's an order to those twelve chapters. Uh, and I mentioned chapter one is is really more like a prologue. It sets the setting uh, in the third year of Jehoiakim, I think it was, and Daniel set, you know, it sets that setting of who Daniel is and what happened in the historical context. Um. And then you go chapters two, three, four, five, and six are, are, are the historical accounts, you know, the, the, the image of, in the fiery furnace and the, the, the story of uh, the lion's den. And uh, you've got these historical accounts for the most part, the stories. The interesting thing, and I'm going to have to develop this more and, and study it more, um, chapter one uh, is is um, written in Hebrew, and starting in chapter two, actually, I think it's verse four. Aramaic. It's Aramaic. It's mm-hmm. it's that was the lingua franca of the day. It was Aramaic because uh, Alexander the Great, the Greek world hadn't come yet, so Greek would later um, replace Aramaic. But Aramaic would have been the language, and so now you have this these stories and this. They, these historical counts and it's it's in Aramaic and it's 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 like it's geared toward the the nations. You've got the story of Nebuchadnezzar, who um, was the most powerful man on earth, and um, he humbles himself, or God humbles him, and acknowledges the greatness of God. All that all that is written in Aramaic. It's like for the people to read. It's also in the third person. So it was, and Daniel did this, and Daniel did that, and Daniel did this. So that Aramaic goes um, uh, th- uh, through chapter 7, mm-hmm. and then Hebrew picks up again the language in chapter 8, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, the last five chapters is Hebrew again. And yet, interestingly, chapter 7 picks up with the first person uh, pronoun again. So there's, it's third person, this happened, Daniel did this, Daniel did this, and then uh, in chapter, um, 
um, 7 verse 1, it... Um, first person Aramaic is what you're saying? Mm-hmm. Yeah. In the first year of Belshazzar, then verse 2 says, Daniel said, I was looking in my mm-hmm. vision by night, and so on and so forth. And it's mm-hmm. it's it's first person. Then I did this, I looked here, I looked there. And it continues in chapter 8 and through the rest. Even now in chapter 8, the Hebrew picks up. So you've got this overlapping. You've got the um, uh, third person that overlaps uh, into six, but it picks up in seven. But you have the Hebrew or the Aramaic that overlaps seven, mm-hmm. and the Hebrew isn't picked up till eight. So there are some markers that indicate chapter seven is is focal point mm-hmm. to this whole unfolding. Chapter one is the kind of setting, but you got five chapters with that historical stories. And then eight through 12 is the focus on actually Israel. So Mm -hmm. it's no longer that Gentile focus. It's really focusing on Israel. Five chapters for the nations, five chapters for Israel. The center chapter is chapter seven. And when you look at the 28 verses, though there weren't verses when Daniel wrote this, Mm -hmm. verses were put in later, but there are 28 verses and right smack dab in the middle of chapter seven is 13 and 14, Mm -hmm. which has the picture of the ancient of days. And I think that is what Mm. the earthly writer and certainly the divine writer was wanting us to focus on. And again, it comes down to the glory of God. Here was the ancient of days. Here was one like a son of man that comes up to him and he receives the kingdom, the dominion, and it's forever. And it's like, you can put us in fiery furnaces and you can throw us in lion's den, but you you can't touch us apart from God's mm-hmm. divine hand. And he can deliver us if he wants to. Mm-hmm. And so it's it just, no matter what happens, and, and great powers like Nebuchadnezzar can rise and fall and great, great uh, nations can come and go. But the bottom line for Daniel is, the book of Daniel is, there is an ancient of days, mm-hmm. and he's sitting on the throne, and his son is going to reign supreme. And, and that's the, so everything, the way the book is even constructed, the grammar, everything points to that center mm-hmm. message. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah, you want to okay. hopefully gain a lot on the, on the character of God and who God is. I think we, we'll do that mm-hmm. a lot in the book of Daniel. Yeah. I have a question about um, what you were just talking about, the ancient of days. So that's a term that I'm familiar with. And I think a lot of people here at FBC are. We sing this song. We sang it. Um, But why call God the ancient of days? Like why specifically when Daniel is talking, why does he reference God in that way? Well, you'll have to wait till we get there. (laughs) Um, uh, There is a reference in Isaiah 57. Um, um, if I can find it, verse 15, Isaiah 57, um, I don't know if that's the right one, for, for thus says the high and exalted one who lives forever, whose name is holy, I dwell on high in a holy place, and also with a contrite and lowly of spirit in order to revive the spirit of the lowly. I'm not sure, but it it has to do with the with his supremacy. Okay. Uh, I think it has also has to do with his um, um, that he is the righteous 
holy and sovereign judge of all. So there's some connotations there that we're going to flesh out more, but okay. it's unique. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The mm-hmm. ancient of days. Mm-hmm. Um, now the son of man is not unique. Right. Because we find in the gospel accounts, that was really the favorite title that Jesus, mm-hmm. and you couldn't miss that. And, mm-hmm. and it wasn't lost on the religious leaders. Right. When Jesus talked and referred to himself as the son of man, it was like blasphemy because mm-hmm. they knew mm-hmm. that there was this reference to Daniel. Ancient of days yeah, that'll be fun to kind of probe that a little bit more, um, and what the exact what the exact wording is, mm-hmm. and how it's how we translated ancient mm-hmm. of days. Um, no beginning, no end. He is the righteous, sovereign judge of all. Um, he again, Isaiah. He is the high and exalted one who lives forever, and his name is holy. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's all of those glory connotations mm-hmm. wrapped up in that ancient of days. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll have to do a lot the more preaching will do it. I'm sure that some of the songs we sing and, and exhortations we give that are obviously scriptural in the service will we'll speak yeah. to that as well. So it's exciting. You know, it's Sunday, too, we had this great worship songs that focused on glory, and, and it, it just makes me wonder. I almost feel like we had the Lord's Table, which was great, and then... Then it would have been, it would almost been nice to have the Lord's table, the sermon that talked about these things, and then we respond mm. with because then that would have made oh glory, because when we sang the last song that had the Ancient of Days, it was I thought more meaningful because I you just, know we'd just been talking a little right, bit about yeah. that, right. but uh, so that response of uh, of our response of worship. Um, Mm-hmm. We can do it when we leave, but it almost as if you 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 you're you're pondering these awesome pictures of God, and it's like the old Quakers. You just want to sit in silence mm-hmm. for a while before you quietly on. leave. You know, almost right. or or you know, Dan, you know, David sang and danced. You know, but mm-hmm. it's some type of a response mm-hmm. instead of just. Going home. Right. Right. <laughs> Rinse and repeat. Yeah, right. yeah, that's right. Very good. Well, good stuff, Mark. Thank you for being here, bud. Uh-huh. Yeah, appreciate it. Emma, great job. I don't know how you feel about it, but you did wonderful. <laughs> uh, for all of our listeners and viewers, remember that we love to hear from you. You can send over your thoughts, questions, or requests. Head over to fbcva.org forward slash podcasts and write us your notes or comments. Also, be sure to check out our two other Fellowship Bible Church podcasts, Fellowship Family uh, and Global Church. Uh, the fact of the matter, everybody, is that sermons aren't meant to just take an hour, but rather transform a lifetime. Until next week, much love. God bless.